4: Welcome back into uh, titillating sports, hour number two. All right, Rick, you there. All right, we're having technical difficulties again. I apologize. We do not have Rick. See, he's connected. I just don't hear him, so there's going to be some kind of issue there. Anyway, hour two, titillating sports. A lot of Heisman talk in that first hour, and rightfully so, the NFL. Playoffs? Started this weekend. That's exciting. And uh, provided we can get Rick's connection back, um, got a guest coming up this hour. In about half an hour, Bruce McCullough of Kids in the Hall. Talking comedy, because that's that's what we do here. Wait, I thought we talked about sports. Well, we do that too. I guess comedy is actually uh, what we also do. We do it all, especially Rick's show. I, I have to give Rick major credit. His ability to pretty much interview anybody is impressive. Athlete? Yeah, no problem. Musician? Got it. Professional chess player? He can do it. Com- comedian? Yep. Actor? Yep. Director? Yep. Tuba player? Yeah, probably. Probably. I doubt he's interviewed any tuba players, but thank you for joining us. Uh, I hope we can get Rick back connected and, uh, we can continue on with his merry way of, uh, sports talk radio as, as he does until then. Uh, we're going to hit a break and uh, I'm going to get set up just in case. All right. I'm as this is to the lady sports.
5: Come now
7: The spread of COVID-19 is still unchecked across the nation, and you need to keep your family safe. Make a new habit and check your temperatures twice a day, once before dinner and before leaving home in the morning. You can't afford to take chances, so use the Exergen Temporal Scanner. Its accuracy is backed by more than 80 clinical studies, and it takes an accurate reading in seconds. It's the only home thermometer used and recommended by hospitals, doctors, and nurses. Quick and easy to use. You can count on Exergen to keep your family safe 24 hours a day.
8: Check out Rick Tittle, thank you for that. Welcome back to the uh, show. Uh, my apologies, uh, that wasn't a gremlin there at the top, that was me. My uh, During the news, I didn't even notice that my... <laughs> so we're not <clears throat> we're not dealing with a professional shop here, but my... Uh, no one cares. Well, I'll tell you anyway. So my, <laughs> my headset cord popped out of my computer and I didn't know it. So, I plugged it back in, and my computer was just like, What is this? We have no idea what this is. You have no headset. You have no mic. So, <clears throat> I have to reboot the whole computer. So, hopefully, it'll just be this segment and um, over the phone. And then we'll get back to the good stuff. All right, we heard this morning that uh, 15 players are now one step closer to immortality, if you like, in Canton, Ohio. And I learned when I went to the Hall of Fame in 1986 that it's not Canton, that's in China. Canton, but getting that gold jacket. Because last night, <clears throat> we heard the list of 25, or sorry, 15 semifinalists. And it's weird because, well, actually, there were 25 Semifinalists and now fifteenth finalists. It makes no sense. Those terms. Um, finalists, I can deal with. Semifinalists is stupid because that means there should be four, right? Um, four of these players getting the nod in their first year of eligibility to get to the final 15 Peyton Manning, Calvin Johnson, Charles Woodson, and Jared Allen. So these 15 finalists will now be presented to the Pro Football Hall of Fame Selection Committee, which consists of 48 members. This isn't like um, Cooperstown where it's the writers. 48 members. I have a Hall of Fame vote. Not. Not. But they'll determine who gets in. And there is... um, (laughs) The, the bylaws say that there's a minimum of four and a maximum of eight, which I think is dumb. I mean, it ensures that you're always going to have four guys going in every year. But, but I think about baseball, where the most boring Hall of Fame uh, summer ceremony I ever saw was when Bruce Souter went in by himself and he got up there like the mountain man in Southern Comfort and it was just like, and that was it. It's pretty boring. But let's take a look at those finalists alphabetically and then I'll tell you if I think they should get in or not now remember I'm a little bit of a stickler so Jared Allen defensive end Chiefs Vikings Bears Panthers Uh, Jared Allen now I'm going to go ahead and give a big fat no on Jared Allen
11: but Ricky I
8: know Show me all sorts of numbers. I'm just telling you, it's, it's all gut feeling to me. Jared Allen was a great defensive player. He was even in Jackass, where he sacked Johnny Knoxville. I like that. He's got NorCal roots. But, ah. Rondé Barber, DB, whole career with Tampa Bay. You've got to be joking. No offense to Rondé Barber, <clears throat> who is better than you and me, but seriously, Rondé Barber... Now, Tony Buscelli, Jags, uh, his career was so short. What was it, six years? Is that enough? Talent-wise, yes. I say it's not enough. Leroy Butler, safety, whole career with the Packers. Are you kidding me? Uh, Seriously, Leroy Butler? He was fantastic. Great player. This is not the Hall of Great. Alan Fanica. Steelers, a little bit with the Jets. Cardinals. Uh, I'm okay with that. He was great with the Steelers for more than a decade. Uh, I'm fine with him getting in. So I'll say thumbs up on Fanica. You can't ignore, ignore the guards. Torrey Holt. Greatest show on turf? No. No. Torrey Holt, to me, uh, with the Rams, a great, great player. But, I mean, that would be like putting Cliff Branch in, which I would love to have. Of course, Poshman, you know, it sucks. But I would love to see Cliff Branch get in. But you just take every awesome speedster and put them in the whole thing. So, if Cliff Branch ain't in, I'm sorry, Torrey Holt. He ain't getting in. Megatron. Whole career with the Lions, retired on his terms, which means early. Uh, Calvin Johnson will probably get in just because he was such a beast and he was so huge. Um, And the Raiders passed on him. (laughs) Uh, I'll give him a thumbs up just because there was nobody like him. John Lynch, safety. Get out of here, John Lynch. Peyton Manning, slam dunk, doesn't even need to be mentioned. I mean, even when his, if he had retired with the Colts after the neck injury, he was a shoe in for sure. But he came back and won another Super Bowl with the Donkeys. So, of course, he's in. Clay Matthews, well, I should say Clay Matthews Jr., this is one where we actually do need a distinction. Um, with the Browns and the Falcons, linebacker, I don't know. I think if he ain't in yet, His star is losing some luster. Sam Mills, linebacker with the Saints. I'm okay with this. He was fantastic. Uh, I'm all right with Sam Mills. I mean, if you put Chris Hamburger in there, Chris Hamburger is in. Um, Richard Seymour, no. Zach Thomas, too short, my favorite rapper. Reggie Wayne, yes. Reggie Wayne, 14 years with Peyton Manning. Well, I should say 12 years with Peyton Manning and then two years with whoever else. Andrew Luck, I guess, would be the guy. Charles Woodson, yes. Uh, Charles Woodson, if you took his you know, first seven years with the Raiders, you would have said no, but he ended up being an MVP and a Super Bowl winner with the Packers and then came back for three years with the Raiders and just stuck his head in every chance he got. So Charles Woodson, yes. So, my yeses are Alan Fanica, Calvin Johnson, Peyton Manning, and Charles Woodson. Four. Um, There are also some finalists in senior categories Tom Flores, Bill Nunn, and Drew Pearson. I don't know why Drew Pearson is not in the Hall of Fame. Put him in. Think about number 88. When the Cowboys give you 88, they think something of you. They do. Think about Michael Irvin. You think about Des Bryant. You think about CD Lamb. You see 88 with that star on Atonement. You got to watch out. Bill Nunn, but Tom Flores, I would love to. Tom Flores is still with us. So that would be really nice if he would get in because he deserves it. I mean, if you think like what happened uh, with the likes of. Uh, You know, Tony Dungy getting in and some of these other guys. And forget that he's a minority coach. He won two Super Bowls. Just put him in anyway. Uh, So the uh, announcement is going to be revealed on February 6th at the NFL Honors Dinner. And uh, the ceremony will be August 8th in Canton uh, for this class. So I'm sure some of you look at this list and you pick 14 guys. I pick four. That's what makes the Hall of Fame special. You have to be someone who's beyond discussion. Like I said, Peyton Manning, I will not listen to anyone who says he doesn't deserve to go in. I never rooted for the guy in my life, but, I mean, forget about his goofy commercials. That's the type of Hall of Famer that I want. It's all about me. All right, well, come on back. Let's get the Skype set up. I'm Rick Tittle. This is Tittle and
7: Don't wait another minute to see if you may qualify for your Social Security disability benefits. Call Pinnacle Disability Group at 800-593-7491 for your free case evaluation. That's 800-593-7491. 800-593-7491.
1: Call now. We are the Debt Destroyer Network. Any debt you have, credit card, tax, student loan debt. Call now for free information that helps you destroy your debt.
12: percent sure rick tittle is the father of my child but i'm 100 percent sure rick tittle is a jackass
9: wow that really hurts my feelings all right welcome back to the show back on the skype like i said it was my bad it got to make sure the plug stays in the computer okay note to self with new headset plug is slippery um I mentioned earlier, and by the way, Bruce McCullough coming up in the next segment. He's going to be at Festpocalypse. You might remember him from Kids in the Hall. A Canadian. Are uh, you up there? I'll be up in debt for sure. Yeah, holes are. But Steven, Kevin Stefanski is not only coach of the year. Um, he is a rookie head coach. And you think about how hard it is to be a rookie head coach in the National Football League. This was the hardest year ever to do it. It just was. We saw camps uh, shut down for weeks at a time. Um, Free agency, the draft was done on the internet. I mean, it was, you can just mark it down to the the pandemic that this was the hardest year ever to take over a team. It was hard for Andy Reid. Well, maybe it wasn't hard for Andy Reid, but it was hard for every coach. And if you think of the number of times the Browns, have changed their entire staff. You will literally get very dizzy or this quarterback, that quarterback. And you remember that famous Jersey with all the names on it from Tim couch all the way down. Kowski's of the world. The McCowns. I mean, Stefanski was, you could say he had some pieces in there. Yeah. He had his quarterback and stuff, but he was still up against it. And, you know, he was a guy who was trying to step in. And, and you don't know when you hire a young guy if you're getting some <clears throat> one and done in over his head or you're getting Sean McVay or Matt LaFleur or Kyle Shanahan. That's what you're looking for. And even though Kyle Shanahan, it took him a couple years, you, you knew he was smart. He just needed some horses. And so what did Stefanski do, as I mentioned, 11 and 5, and they get to play the Steelers in the wild card round, but he doesn't get to coach there, which is a shame. But, I mean, if you think about how he did this without the rapid dog pound, and, you know, Odell Beckham Jr., mostly not on the field, if you gave him a report card, he'd get an A+. But there were also three... For five, uh, four other uh, new head coaches this year. Now, one of them, <clears throat> Ron Rivera, he kind of gets a little bit of a uh, of a pass because he's done this before. And we'll get to that in a second. But as I say, the calls come first. Let's go to our main homie, Charlie, who is in Manhattan. How you
11: doing, Charlie? Hey, Rick. How you doing, man? Pretty um... good. Just wanted to follow up on what you're saying about the, uh, I'm going to butcher his name, the head coach, the coach from Cleveland that just got uh, the COVID and won't be able yeah. to coach on Sunday. I'm not anyway diminishing his presence not being there on Sunday, but I remember Parcells used to say if I do my job during the week, if we gain prepare, if we prepare properly, then on Sunday I'm just a spectator or something to that. I'm paraphrasing. Right. Do you think it's that devastating if he, if if they prepare properly, that or is it more of a psychological thing? I mean, what's I your take on it? I think it's,
9: I, I think it's you know obviously, you need the guy to make the decisions, but I think it is about eighty percent psychological. It's sort of like, um, you know, the Warriors when they didn't have Kerr, what did Luke Walden do? He went like twenty-four and one, you know. Yeah, something. So yeah. yeah. You know, what, why do they need Kerr? But on the other hand, you know, I think about in, in these battles in history books, when they see the general or the king go down, everybody gives up. You know, there's something psychological about your leader not being there. So we'll see which if we get a Steve Kerr or we see if we get a King Henry.
11: <laughs> I'm right. And isn't, I mean, don't you I mean, I, I, again, I'm not up on the protocols of COVID and all that, but isn't there a way where he can... Still coach without being on the sideline he absolutely
9: uh, is going to be on a probably a government some, cia uh, hard line somewhere to make sure it won't go down i am sure he's not just going to get some popcorn and turn on the tv yeah
11: i would imagine he he will have a direct line to uh to <laughs> yeah. baker's helmet and uh wh- 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 whomever um, and also, uh, I uh, I know you're going to be making your playoff picks and all that, but I think, I'm going out on a limb, I think Buffalo is going to go to the Super Bowl. I, I just like the way they're peaking. I like the way they're playing. I think the Chiefs, a lot of their games in the second half of the season have been very close. Uh, i w- I watched the last few Buffalo games. Uh, I'm, j- I'm just really impressed with them. I think I think they can match up with the Chiefs in a... And I, and I don't want you to jump ahead on on what your picks will be, but if if the bills and the chiefs were to meet in a uh, championship game, i I, I'm, I might be picking the bills. I, I don't know what your take is on the bills going into the playoffs or if you're gonna be picking super Bowl, if you're gonna be picking week to week or if you're gonna go uh, picking a Super Bowl matchup. Well, I'll go week to week,
9: but I am with you. I mean, I think we all have seen Buffalo. They're the hottest team right now, and they definitely offer a real challenge to Kansas City. And as you point out uh, factually, Kansas City, uh, a lot of their games this year, they've been kind of waiting till the last minute to to put them away. So... Uh, but there's a big difference between the team that's been there before and the team that hasn't been there before. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, but other than that, no, they are a threat to win it all. Yeah. And, and I just, and, and
11: one last note on that is, I, I just think because there are no home, no fans, or very few fans, uh, right. if the game, if the game will be in Kansas City, I don't know if they would be overwhelmed by fifteen thousand. Crazy fans as opposed to whatever the capacity well, let, is. Let They're me ask 65. you this, Charlie.
9: What one team on earth doesn't care about playing in the snow in Kansas City? It would be, it would be Buffalo. Be.
11: Buffalo. <laughs> Buffalo or maybe Green Bay. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, there you go. Yeah, The other team who I think could also, uh, I think, could beat the Chiefs if they were to meet in the Super Bowl. Anyway, that's all I got, Rick. I'll keep listening. Talk to you soon,
6: buddy.
9: Thanks, Charlie. I appreciate the call. Charlie participating at the toll-free line at 1-800-878-PLAY. What you got? No, he's right. Lambeau Field, man. But I, I picked Buffalo because Buffalo, um, I've told the story in the past, it's the coldest place I've ever been, and I was there in the spring. I do remember one time in Idaho, my, my hands felt so frozen that I went back into a house which had an old-fashioned radiator, which you... Didn't even want to get close to the radiator because it would literally scald you. And I remember laying my hands on the radiator because I couldn't feel anything. And yet Buffalo, I was there in the spring and I was with a friend who's from Cleveland and went to see Niagara Falls and the American Falls were frozen. And I, I thought, how's that possible? You think about the cubic tonnage of water falling over And it froze as it fell. And then the horseshoe falls, which are the good ones, those are on the Canadian side. Those were flown. And I remember I started walking and I suddenly got really warm and I sat down and I go, hold on a second. I just want to rest because now I feel kind of warm. And, uh, I was told by the Clevelander that, um, I was starting to experience frostbite and hypothermia. And I'm like, I don't think so, I feel all right. And they said, no, 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 what your brain does, when it gets to the point where it can't stand the cold anymore, your brain will actually trick you and make you think you're warm to accept your demise. He says, you're slowly dying right now. When that made me jump up off that park bench very fast (laughs) because i did i started feeling really warm he's like no no that's what hypothermia does it's a psychological thing and it's like okay i'm gonna die now so let's just make it a nice warm affair there was no tauntaun to slit open with a lightsaber and crawl inside so um i was just thinking if any team is acclimated i was just thinking about when marshawn lynch went from oakland where he grew up playing for Oakland Tech and then 10 minutes away playing at Cal and Berkeley and then going there for his first year. Yeah, I mean, just think about before Green Bay was good again. I say in between Lombardi and uh, the Holmgren era and then now with Lafleur. But in between Bart Starr and Brett Favre, you had Don Mikowski and Lynn Dickey and quarterbacks like that. And I remember when... Deion Sanders, there was a possibility Green Bay would draft him, and they took Tony Mandarich, the roided-up bust. And, Green, and uh, Deion said at the draft, man, if Green Bay had drafted me, I would have asked for so much money. They'd have to put me on layaway. Just because there's no way that dude from Florida was going to be <laughs> going up to Green Bay. And then Reggie White said, God told me to go there. And he won a Super Bowl. The Lake great minister. White. All right, when we come back, let's talk to Bruce McCullough, Kids in the Hall. Come on back.
6: 800 439 7851, 800 439 7851, 800 439 7851, 800 439 7851.
0: It doesn't really matter. I,
6: uh, I don't like my job, and uh, I don't think I'm going to go anymore.
12: Tittle thinks there's a direct correlation between dogs and lightning.
9: Uh, I think a lot of weird stuff. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, coast to coast, around the world, on American Forces Radio Network. Well, as you know, we love Sketchfest here in town. I love having the comedians come in studio every year, and uh, of course, we can't do that. But uh, as we have seen the last couple of days, talking to our buddies Dana Gould and uh, also uh, Dave Hill, they've been having Festpocalypse going to be online and it's going to be on saturday january 30th at 5 p.m local tickets at sfsketchfest.com so many huge headliners too many to name but uh, one of the big headliners of course is the very famous comedy troupe out of canada the kids in the hall and we are joined by bruce mccullough to uh talk about that bruce welcome to the show and i was just wondering with your alberta roots with Edmonton and
14: Calgary. Are you Oilers or are you Flames? Um, well, hello. Nice to meet you, Rick Tittle. Um, I am a fair-weather hockey fan, but I usually go Flames. And the year they actually won the Stanley Cup final, I was, we were taking the kids in the hall show, and one of the HBO executives said, are you crying because you didn't have a good show? And I said, <laughs> no, I'm crying because the Flames won. I didn't know I had a bad show. <laughs>
9: Did you ever get to the Saddle Dome? I remember one game, because I was working hockey in those days, and Mike Vernon like scored a goal from his own crease.
14: Oh, no. I've, I've been to the Saddle Dome many times um, and seen games in Edmonton as well. I am a, I'm a Canadian. I'm a, a weirdo, but I'm still a hockey fan. Why do you think that per capita,
9: and, and I've talked to guys in person like Tom Green and John Doerr, there's something about the Canadian comedy, but per capita, they just seem more funny. And I think, this is my idea, I think because you guys are so inundated with British television, you get that great British droll humor, and then you see all the American slapstick. You combine it to make Canadian humor, which is just gold. What do you think?
14: Uh, I think that's a pretty good theory. I, I also think that we are, you know, you are a behemoth in the States, at least just watching you. And making jokes, uh, you know, it's like all Canadians are second-born. None of them are first-born. I am also second-born, and as is, I think, everyone in the troop. And we are almost like second-born to the Americans, where we're watching what they do and we sort of comment out the side of our mouths.
9: Gotcha. You know, I think about Canadians, too. Like, um, I, For some reason, I've just discovered... Nathan, for you with Nathan Fielder, and and of course he's Canadian. I mean, there's something. <laughs> what you, do you do? Have you ever caught up with Nathan over the last few years?
14: Yeah, I actually last year when people were still doing live shows, I did some shows in uh, Kitchener, Ontario, and I did his podcast. It was a lot of fun. He's he's actually a force of nature and hilarious.
9: No doubt about it. In your background, when you wrote for SNL, can you just describe? So, what is it? Is it the Tuesday night where you're supposed to stay till four thirty in the morning? Is that what it is?
14: Yeah, and then at Wednesday morning you're quivering at read through because your your script was five pages too long and you didn't know that yet. Um, but it, yeah, it was it was the opposite of Kids in the Hall. It was like forty writers trying to get a sketch in, and then Kids in the Hall was the opposite, which was we were going like, how do we fill up the show? We don't have enough stuff. <laughs> so, so it was different.
9: Were you surprised that Kids in the Hall was such a huge hit in the United States as well?
14: You know, I actually am. I mean, it was, you know, when you're young, you make stuff and you're not exactly sure who it's for. And I do, like, I didn't know it would hit so hard. I remember when it was, our show was first on on HBO and we played some shows in Detroit. And, you know, once we started the show, people rushed the stage and I thought, well, now what? Now what happens? And it was like, oh... We have an impact and we didn't know it, but I guess there's just <laughs> something about our weird, parched, suburban, we, you know, outsider thing that actually connects with a lot of people.
10: You
9: know what else I think is interesting too, is that with your troop, there was no dud, you know, everybody was good. Is that something that you knew from the beginning or was that just something that kind of, uh, you know, just came along as you went?
14: Well, it's kind you say that because i watch the show and I see four very talented guys and then one little guy with a huge head who won't stand still, and that's me. And I think, <laughs> why didn't they throw me out of that troupe after a week? Um, and I guess the answer is I wouldn't let them, and I wrote some material. Is probably the reason.
9: Speaking with Bruce McCulloch from Kids in the Hall, he's going to be part of Festpocalypse. If you don't mind me telling the story when you said the little guy, I remember when I was working in TV in 1991, I think, and I was talking to a friend and he goes, I don't like the little guy. And I went,
14: oh, I like the
9: little guy. And he goes, no, I don't like the little guy. Are, are you OK with being called the little guy?
14: Oh, yeah. No, I am. I'm am the little guy. And now that my 13 year old son is taller than me, it's just like all bets are off. Um, <laughs> no, I, I don't mind that at all.
9: You know, when I think about your characters, the first one that comes to mind, and of course, not just because of the hilarity, but the, the controversy, is, is Cancer Boy. And I think what a lot of people don't understand is that there's no territory in comedy you don't go to. And the way you react is you either laugh or you don't laugh. But some people, that's just not enough. I mean, could you imagine doing that character in today's cancel culture
14: uh, it's interesting. You know, I don't know if you know, we are actually on the verge of doing a mini-series with Amazon. Uh, we'll be shooting it in the, in the spring. Um, I don't know if you could do Cancer Boy. Um, there's certainly some things we did that we can't do, especially, you know, the words we used, the F word, and I'm not talking about the sex word. Um, I don't know if you could get away with Cancer Boy. I mean, it almost torpedoed our career then so i i can't imagine it would it would fly now but we do know as artists why we did it and it was about the soul of those poor cancer kids and you know um hockey players coming to see them if they're on remission or or whatever um so i think i don't know i don't think we could get away with that now
9: what do you think um you're gonna do now for well i'm sure you know what you're gonna do but with festpocalypse it's one thing to get you five guys out on the stage and have everyone adore you, but how is it going to work with all this Zoom stuff? I mean, it's it's hard, isn't it?
14: Well, it is and it isn't. I mean, if you look at something like, you know, the San Francisco Sketch Fest, which is really, I think, the greatest comedy festival in the world, it's as much about the spirit of all of us doing things together, which is now we're doing it online, and if you go to the festival, it's not like one of those festivals where there's a the show a night. There's like 15 shows a night where everybody's popping in to each other's stuff, and it's like, oh, there's Paul Rudd reading one line in something. And I think, I think that spirit, uh, this, this fundraiser will have that same spirit of kind of people popping in and out, and there'll be a lot going on. So I, I, think it'll, I think it'll be really kind of fun and a nice way for, you know, the people who love this community, which is certainly us, um, to uh-huh. kind of convene with it.
9: What about when in your time with Kids in the Hall, you also have a musical side to you as well. And um, do you still have a lot of songs swimming in your head? Do you still write songs?
14: I do. And um, when we do our, our Amazon thing, there'll be a couple songs. One called I'm Not Crazy, I Just Lost My Glasses, which <laughs> <laughs> which makes us laugh. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I still think of music and comedy and, you know, one go hand in hand.
9: When did you... Did, just if you discovered or you knew all along, or maybe it was just something that happened and you didn't even know about it, was I call it the Bruce McCulloch look. It's kind of like, you know, your eyebrows are kind of a little frowny, you're turning to the side, your nostrils are flared. and It's kind of a very inquisitive look, but i always, that's like the Bruce look.
14: Well, thank you. I, I'm, I think I just won't smile. And that's... <laughs> <laughs> That's what I put in its place. Yeah. No, I think I I think I grew up not understanding or trusting the world, and I think some of my facial expressions <laughs> would indicate that.
9: What, what also do you put it down to that you guys, you know, I'm sure over the years you guys were as close as brothers and also got on each other's nerves. What is it after all these years that, that you guys are, are still buddies and perform together?
14: Well, it is interesting. I do feel like... <clears throat> I'm closer to the sense of humor uh, with the guys than anyone in the world. And even when I get to do something on my very own, doing stuff with the guys feels more like me. So I think we can be each other or be ourselves in front of each other more than anyone in the world. And, in fact, that's what I, what I learned when I went to Saturday Night Live. was like, oh, there's a lot of funny people, but there's only five kids in the hall.
9: Right. Have you ever been recognized by... Uh the PM in Ottawa for, like, have you received any, like, we, we here have the Medal of Freedom, you know, for great entertainers. Have you been recognized like
14: that in Canada? Um, yes. There is there's a pedal in the front of my house, and um, my name is scrawled uh, in chalk beside it because of all I've done for the world. Gotcha.
9: So um, tell us, before we let you go, tell us a little bit more about this, this Amazon thing. Like, is it, uh, when is it coming out?
14: Well, it'll be out. We're, we'll be shooting it in, um, uh, starting in May. And so it'll be out this year, and we're going old school. We're doing, you know, the last thing we did was a murder mystery kind of eight-part thing called Death Comes to Town. But now we want to do sketches, and we haven't been able to do sketches on TV for, for many, many years. So there's a lot we want to say about the modern world and just sort of the backlog and the things we've been doing in our tours. So it's uh, we got together to write over the – starting just before the COVID lockdown, and it was a lot of fun, and I, I'm really shocked how good the material is. So we're pretty excited about it. By the
9: way, when you, like, go to Scotland, do they really hit the McCulloch?
14: Oh, yeah. I've actually, I've actually received a lot of heat from Scotland lately. <laughs> I guess people who uh, – I, other McCulloughs are saying, "Oh, I saw your name in the Creek, uh, uh-huh. you know, credits. Uh-huh. Are you one of me?" So I, I I owe Scotland a trip, I think.
9: Do you know your tartan?
14: Uh, I'm wearing it now and nothing else. <laughs> just just <sort laughs> and of 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 course, like a little
9: off yellow. And no knickers. You have to have your bits and pieces freestyle, right?
14: Well, no, I have some workers here today, so I've I've had uh, you know I've had to diaper up.
9: diaper up that's bruce mccullough make sure to check him out as part of kids in the hall headlining festpocalypse and just go to sfsketchfest.com and the the list of names is insane with all the great great comedians i mean dana carvey and it just goes on and on and on bruce good to have you on the show man and then hopefully someday we'd love to have you in studio here down in the city
14: well i would love that on the other side of this rick and i really appreciate you doing stuff on this amazing festival
9: Alright, good stuff. Bruce McCall, everybody. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll come on back on
15: and you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equals healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Now
10: is a great time to replace your worn out windows during the Renewal by Anderson 25 year savings event. Upgrade your home today. Buy four windows and get the fifth one free. Plus, get 12 months with no interest, no money down, and no payments. Call now. Get four windows and get the fifth one free, installation and warranty included. Renewal by Anderson takes every CDC-recommended safety precaution to protect your family. For 25 years, people have trusted us for their window replacement needs, and you can, too. Call now to learn about our buy four, get the fifth one free window replacement offer.
1: 800-413-6992. 800-413-6992. 800-413-6992. That's 800-413-6992.
10: Interest accrues from date of purchase, but is waived if paid in full within 12 months. Other conditions apply. We've adjusted our operations to serve you safely following all CDC guidelines. Visit RenewalByAnderson.com for details.
12: tittle always goes commando a
9: couple of minutes left hour number two of three greg fitzsimmons coming up in about 45 minutes uh there's a little damage control going on in philadelphia now because we got reports about just how much hate doug peterson was getting from his own players after the nate sudfeld situation went down and one of them was a report that his uh, own center there, Jason Kelsey, is one of the guys who was really uh, po'd. And um, this was from a Philadelphia Inquirer report by Jeff McLean. Well, on Instagram, Kelsey wrote today, "Quote: Thought I would clear the air just to clarify and more accurately depict what happened during the game on Sunday." At the end of the third quarter, I was told on the bench that Sudfeld was going in the game. I went up to Doug and asked if he was taking Hertz out. He said, yes, I think Nate's earned the right to play. I said, everyone else is staying in? He said, absolutely. And then I went to find Suddy. At no point was anything for me or anyone else confrontational. We all knew leading into the game that Sudfeld was told to be ready to play and that Doug wanted to see what he could do in a game situation. All of us during the week leading up were excited for Nate, a guy that has been with us for four years, to get an opportunity in a real game to show what he can do. And he concludes, there's a reason Nate's been here this long and a reason that the team brought him back, and that's because we feel like Nate is a guy we can win with. I understand the optics of how it looked, and I'd be lying if I wasn't a little surprised given the circumstances of when the move happened, but every one of us did our best, and all of us believe we can win with Nate Sudfeld. It was a difficult situation to be put into, especially when you have a 10-year veteran center who doesn't snap a ball to you accurately on your second drive of the game. Uh, This, to me, is all damage control. He's there, he has to deal with it, and now he's saying... Uh, I wasn't that mad. He was mad. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
5: S.A. Radio News with Lance Pride.
16: Democrat Raphael Warnock is projected by numerous news outlets to defeat Republican Senator Kelly Loeffler in one of the two crucial Senate runoffs in Georgia. Loeffler has not conceded. The race between John Ossoff and Senator David Perdue is still too close to call with 99% of the precincts reporting kenosha wisconsin was prepared for unrest but none materialized after prosecutors said tuesday no charges will be filed in the shooting of jacob blake by police officers in late august
4: and it is my decision now that i announce today before you that no kenosha law enforcement officer in this case will be charged with any criminal offense based on the facts and the laws
16: district attorney michael gravely also said no additional charges will be brought against mr blake although jacob blake was armed and resisting arrest jacob's uncle Justin called the decision a slap in the face and where's the justice this is USA radio news
13: balance of nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule changing the world one life at
15: a time
8: I've been taking vitamins off and on my whole adult life and I've
2: never seen any change not like this not since I've been on balance of nature I used to take prescription medication for uh, muscle aches and stuff. I don't take that anymore. I wish I would have started
8: it back when I first heard about it on the radio. And if I can give Dallas of Nature any advice, keep it out on the radio because I still hear these commercials from time to time, and I'm thinking, you know, you people need to listen up. I mean, I'm over 50, and, you know, your body starts wearing down.
17: But Dallas of Nature has literally changed my life. It really has.
8: Get
13: a wide variety of all your daily recommended servings of whole fruits and vegetables without having to leave your home. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 1-800-2468-751 or go to balanceofnature.com and use discount code USA.
16: Congress meets today for the final electoral college count and announcing the official winner of the 2020 presidential election. A large number of people have converged on Washington, D.C. to observe the count and all the politics that will surely ensue inside the chamber. More than 17 million doses of COVID-19 vaccines have been shipped. That's enough to inoculate about 5% of the population against the deadly virus, but less than 30% of those shots have been used so far, leaving millions of doses in storage. Nancy Moussinier, who heads the CDC's Immunization Center, said Tuesday she isn't surprised by the early numbers, pointing to the newness of a mass vaccination program and the holiday season. A DoorDash driver who refused to give a Long Island, New York customer his food after she felt stiffed by the $8 tip. The driver claimed it was a 40-minute drive. The hungry guy claimed it was only a 20-minute drive. When pressed on why she accepted the job, the woman explained that the app does not reveal the total distance to couriers. USA Radio News.
3: At the American Veterinary Medical Association annual convention in Washington, D.C., I spoke with Dr. John Howe, AVMA president, about One Health.
11: One Health is really a collaboration between physicians and veterinarians or public health officials. For example, in Minnesota, our state public health veterinarian deals with zoonotic diseases, rabies, for example. Animals are sentinels for humans, and humans are sentinels for some infections in
3: animals. There's more valuable information at avma.org.
16: Per the Constitution, January 6th, the Electoral College numbers from the 2020 presidential election will come to a final vote in Congress. Expecting fireworks later today, you USA Radio News, Dan Araki, fills us in.
7: A number of Republican representatives and senators say they will challenge the electoral vote count when Congress meets on Wednesday to certify that vote. Congressman Jim Jordan says he plans on issuing challenges to the electoral vote in six states. The Ohio Republican told Newsmax what to expect on the floor of the House.
3: Well, what you're going to see is several members of the United States House of Representatives object to the electors being uh, accepted and certified in uh, in six states. And the reason you're going to see that is because all these states, there was unconstitutional change in the election. Rules just prior to the election. The Constitution, Sean, as you as all your viewers know, is very straightforward. It says that the legislature determines the time, place, and manner for elections. Not Supreme Courts in the state, not governors, not Secretary of States, not County Clerks, not Facebook, not Twitter. It says the legislature. And in all these states that we will object to tomorrow. Someone outside the legislature they went around the legislature and changed the election rules. And the reason they had to go around the legislature is because they were controlled by Republicans. So they sued in friendly court. They got a hack secretary of state who would change the rules at the last minute. That's how they did this.
7: From the USA Radio News Ohio Bureau, I'm Dan Naraki.
16: House Speaker Nancy Pelosi has named four lawmakers to serve as Democratic leaders in the House ahead of the expected debate. The session should begin at 1 p.m. Eastern. USA Radio News, I'm Lance Pry.
9: Thank you so much, and welcome back to the show. 1-800-878-PLAY is the number to get and eat, heard, girl. 1-800-878-7529, coast to coast, border to border. And on American Forces Radio Network. Would love to hear from you, wherever you might happen to be listening. See, what had happened was... What had happened was... Um... I always like it when uh, I do get a call from a member of our military. I mentioned years ago, a Marine called me from uh, the embassy in uh, Tokyo, which was cool. He probably got, he had to drop and give a hundred for that. Um, and then one guy on the Audubon called in and uh, he waxed poetic about how much the show meant to him and then he didn't really know who I was he just meant sports talk in general sort of like the uh, <laughs> scene in Spinal uh, Tap where the late, great <clears throat> Fred Willard said we're big fans of your music not so much you but just you know the whole rock and roll thing or maybe in uh, Zoolander where uh <laughs> You had Owen Wilson say, uh, you know, I'm probably my biggest musical influence is Sting. I haven't heard any of his music, but I just kind of look at him and I kind of feel like that would be the guy. Does, you know. So let's get into uh, what you want to talk about. We still got some more to discuss on those first year uh, coaches as well. Not just the you never know who you're going to get. There, in fact, there was one guy, I can't even remember his damn name now, that was with the Cardinals for one year. It's like, you know what, man, nah, the the uh, the Browns did that too. It's that Polish guy. You get one. I don't even remember these names anymore. Just say the Polish guy. You get one year. How did he do? Eh, nah, it's not the guy. I like with Dennis Allen. It's like, it's not the guy. You can't fire him now, can you? one 800 play Twitter at Rick Tittle. Come on back
1: That's 800-880-7167 Paid for by Airtime Media
5: Titillating Sports with Rick Tittle Rick Tittle is a genius The best show ever He's so wonderful Genius The best show ever He's so wonderful. Titillating sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is so handsome. He's a genius.
9: Genius. Wow. Who said that? Oh, yeah, it was me. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you. 1-800-878-PLAY. 1-800-878-7529. I was just taking a look at the five first-year head coaches in the NFL. One of them got the old A-plus there. Kevin Stefanski. That's the guy. NFL Coach of the Year. Now, Ron Rivera, I don't care what you say, he automatically gets a B because he won the division. And I know it's ugly, and I know it's an embarrassment, and I know it's a losing record, and I know they don't even have a name. That's not his fault. Um, And look, he... He he did walk into one of the most toxic organizations in the entire league, in the entire world, really. And the not just with the whole name thing, but with the first-round pick Dwayne Haskins not being the answer, getting him down to third string, only being forced to reinstate him when the other quarterbacks went down, and they looked lousy against Philadelphia, but Philadelphia wanted Nate Sudfeld to, here I am to save the day. Yeah, So it's not a grandiose accomplishment. No way. But you kind of feel like there's a change in that toxic franchise. A culture change. They need a QB. And they will draft QB in the first round. For that you can be sure. So, Ron Rivera was going to get a pass anyway, but he won the division. So, not too bad. Now, it's polarizing when you talk about Joe Judge. Um, He was a comedic punchline the day he was hired, right? From a funny name, Nick Nurse, Dick Doctor, Joe Judge, a guy hired out of obscurity as the Patriots special teams coach. And this was in the likes when you saw in the division, here's a big name in Rivera going to the uh, Washington. Here's a big name in Mike McCarthy, more about him, going to Dallas. And then Joe Judge. Well, <clears throat> the fact of the matter is that they lost Saquon Barkley and he had a brand-new OC in Jason Garrett with a brand-new offense and trying to get her done with Daniel Jones. And Daniel Jones had some good games. There's no doubt that can be shown when they beat Seattle just a few weeks ago. The wheels fell off a little bit when Jones got hurt, but they rallied to save their season on Sunday to beat the Cowboys, and they did. They finished 6-10, and <clears throat> and they pummeled Andy Dalton into submission, and they got themselves a chance to steal that NFC East crown. So for me, Joe Judge, there's no way you can lose 10 games and even get a C. It's a D. I'm giving grades. It's a D. It's amazing to me how many people, especially in New York, I'm walking here, all those people back in New York who demand excellence every second think he's done a pretty good job. Now, if they're seeing, you know, I mentioned Kyle Shanahan when he started his team sucked when Bill Walsh started. His teams were a joke, but you knew the guy was smart. You just, I mean, Shanahan, not as much as Walsh, but you thought I'm not, I'm not firing that guy. We just got to get him players. So there are people in New York who think we just got to get judged some players here. To me, Joe judge is no genius. I think he's shown some leadership ability. He got his team to six wins, but that's nothing to brag about. You, f- you don't get an F, <clears throat> but you don't get a C. That's right. You get a D. Mike McCarthy. And <laughs> you could say, look, this was the right hire. Um, and then you think about all the other guys they could have hired. But in the beginning, this was the guy. But they got off to a slow start. And then they lost Dak Prescott and Lyle Collins and Tyron Smith and Blake Jarwin and others and others and others. And then if you think about the recency bias, you can think about the decision not to challenge the Dante Pettis catch where he pinned it on the ground. The, I mean, the thought of moving Zach Martin to right tackle, the hiring of Mike Nolan as defensive coordinator, torpedoed the season as well. Statistically, the, Worst <clears throat> defense in the history of the NFL at one point. Were they able to sort of right the ship a little bit? But, you know, if you think about the rise of a safety like Donovan Wilson, the tight end Dalton Schultz, who turned into a real starter, rallying the troops to a three game winning streak in December that went from 1% of winning the East to actually doing it, there's a lot to figure out in Dallas. I don't think the head coach is the thing to figure out. The guy won a Super Bowl. It was an ugly, awful year. And he I'll give Mike McCarthy a D D+. Once again, you can't lose that many games and get a C. But that leaves us to the last rookie coach who's Matt Rule coming over from Baylor. And they went five and eleven. And they did struggle to put a competitive team on the field week in and week out. Um, obviously, no McCaffrey is a huge hit. Um, sometimes they were tough. Most of the time, they were pushovers. Um, I mean, even the Raiders won there. They got shellacked in their last game of the season, 33 to seven, by the Saints. The Panthers, five wins. Only one was in their division. One and five, four and eight in the conference. The decision to move on from Cam Newton. uh, Then you look at the season. He wasn't great in New England, but Teddy Bridgewater was supposed to be the quarterback of now into the future. And that's completely up in the air. Bridgewater did not do well. In fact, they got to the point where he got benched and they put in the XFL quarterback PJ Walker into the last game. Bridgewater, by the way, <clears throat> he has uh, a three-year, $63 million deal. That's right, three-year, $63 million. The offense was 24th in the league. They only scored 21 points a game. The defense allowed 25 points a game. So... This really all goes down to: Is Christian McCaffrey going to be healthy next year or not? Just missed way too much time, um, so he also gets a D. I didn't flunk anyone, <laughs> but Judge D, McCarthy D, D plus, Matt Rule D, uh, Ron Rivera B minus because he won the division, and Kevin Stefanski A plus. Those are my grades. And I think that when these NFL head coaches, you know, I'm, I've heard I'm the number one pick for all NFL head coaches. This is their favorite show. But, I mean, if you think about who's going where and who's going next, um, we found out uh, last night that the Texans have finally found a, uh, a GM. And that is uh, going to be Nick Casario. This is something that, remember... The pursuit of Casario goes back uh, a while ago when they tried to get him from Foxborough after they fired the GM there, Brian Gain. And the connection there is the vice president of football ops in Houston is Jack Easterby, who worked with him for six seasons in New England as well. And we heard that New England was not going to give up Nick Casario, blah, blah, blah. Well, uh, Jason LaConfora is reporting that Nick Casario will be the next general manager of the houston texans and they interviewed matt uh trent kirker omar khan lewis riddick uh, and they're going to go with uh casario he did not have the gm tag in new england but he essentially was the de facto gm with bill belichick the last few years they have their uh work cut out with them they don't get to get their pick they're 4 and 12 but they do have deshaun watson they got jj watt they got all right, I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Sports
1: that's 800-693-8290.
2: Hi, I'm Dr. Robert Clapper, Chief of Orthopedic Surgery at Cedar sinai Medical Group in Los Angeles, California Blue goo a try call one 330 and you'll receive a one week supply of blue goo absolutely free the makers of blue goo are even paying the shipping the number again is one 330 if you want more information on blue goo visit online at com. now available at
5: select big five stores near you
0: at 28 i had struggled with opiate and meth addiction for 12 years I did and said things that the sober me never would have done. One day I realized I was not invincible. I was not exempt. And that's when a friend told me about Elite Rehab Placement. They gave me the tools I needed to get sober, and all it took was the one phone call.
1: That's 800-403-5912. I'm just a caveman. Your world frightens and confuses me. (laughs) Rick Tittle wants
12: to hear from you. The phone call is free, y'all. Just dial 1-800-878-PLAY to get yourself on the air right now. Call him up now, lazy ass. 1-800-878-PLAY.
0: I don't think you should be butting in when I'm talking to my team. You're my assistant, okay? You're supposed to back me up and go get me juice boxes when I tell you. Now go get me a juice box. You know who you're talking to? I'm talking to the juice box guy. You're crazy. Well, I'm not crazy. I'm just thirsty. What well, are you go to hell? No, you go to hell. Why are there? Why don't you grab me a juice box? I'm no juice box boy, I'll tell you that.
2: Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not.
9: All right. All right. All right. All right. right. Thank you very much. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you. Coast to coast, border to border, blah, 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 blah. All that good stuff. Uh, Coming up the next segment, we'll have uh, comedian Greg Fitzsimmons with us. One of our faves, uh, as always. Um, In the NBA, uh, really uh, disappointing news. The Pistons rookie, Killian Hayes, has suffered a labral tear in his right hip. Ouch. This is the seventh overall pick. He is uh, out uh, in definitely. He had an awkward fall um, uh, out of a fast break and uh, didn't return, scheduled to have the MRI. And uh, so, yeah, torn hip. And um, it's uh, it's a shame for a team. What are they, one and six right now? And uh, you would have to think, that that would be season-ending, but I uh, even though I play a doctor on the radio, I don't know, but that sounds <clears throat> like it would be season-ending. But uh, You think about all the reasons to watch the Pistons, that was one of them, and now that's not there. So that stinks. But in the NBA, as I watch my dubs perform better than I thought so far, but the perception that there is... No lead too big to insurmount. <clears throat> I do find that true, but it just depends on if the team is into it or not. You know, the the 20-point lead it, is not something to put into the bank. It's like having a three-run lead at Fenway. You know, it's like, who cares? Pesky's pole is 10 feet from home plate. But <laughs> Uh, I bring that up because uh, Tim Bontemps, who, uh, when, when I first interviewed him, I said, do you say bon temps, which means good time? He goes, it's Bontemps. But he did some research and he said that teams this year have, that have built in a 20-point lead so far have gone 49-0. and 0. Well, he put that article out yesterday. And then last night, the Trailblazers had a 20-point lead against the Bulls and lost. And this is the Bulls without Lowry Markinen, Thomas Sederansky, Chandler Hutchinson. The Bulls, though are there are some things to like, they're not very good. So they were down three players and 20 points. Why should they be able to rally against the Blazers team that a lot of people think is a fringe contender this season? But they did. And it says a lot about the Bulls, including uh, Zach Levine, who's probably their best player right now, better than Kobe White and some of these other guys. But it it, it really says more about the Blazers, who are trending, I think, maybe in a weird direction. Yes, this early. And that's because, you know, when when Steph had 62 the other night against Portland, it was literally a night after Portland crushed the Warriors. And... I thought, how can you crush a team one night and then get crushed the next night? And you just say, well, it's Steph Curry. What are you going to do? And you kind of say, it's nothing to worry about. Steph Curry went nuts. He's the greatest shooter of all time. But the Blazers are three and four. And you think about other teams in the West that are three and four that are supposed to be good, like Dallas, like Denver. What's going on right now? And you say, well, look, what did Yogi Berra say? That's why no one comes to this restaurant. It's too crowded. Yeah. He also said it ain't over till it's over. There are, you know, 72 games on the schedule this year, but still the fight for a playoff spot, even with the new play in series, the West is going to be kind of a bloodbath out there. So these early losses might matter. (laughs) And outside of CJ McCollum, who's been fantastic for Portland. Nothing else is going well for them. Robert Covington is shooting under 30% from beyond the arc. Rodney Hood is hurt again. Yusuf Nurkic is averaging nine points a game. And even Dame Lillard, Dame Judy Dench, Damian Lillard, is off to a pretty tough start shooting at 42%, which is his worst percentage in five years. Now, all that being said, the Blazers are still eighth in the league uh, in offense. Lillard is going to get going. Nurkic is going to get going, too. Gary Trent is picking up where he left off in the bubble. Covington is going to space the floor. McCollum will keep, keep doing what he's doing. And you'd say, well, don't worry about Portland's offense. But what about the defense? Right now, thanks to that 62-pointer from Steph, they have the second-worst defense in the league. Now, you might call that surprising, given the point that they addressed the defense in the offseason, getting Covington and Derrick Jones to give themselves at least a fighting chance on the wing after uh, Al uh, Aminu left and, and Mo Harkless. But, I mean, you look at Derrick Jones... He kind of takes the toughest assignments that I've noticed. And he's not bad defensively. I I mean, Portland, I still think, has the credibility to match up with Nurkic and everybody else. But, I mean, you start McCollum and Lillard, obviously, in the backcourt. And then, in theory, you would need Covington, Jones, Trent, and Hood. These guys need to get back so that these other guys can penetrate. Because, you know, Nurkic has to be the the rim-protecting presence. But last night, team's shooting 67% inside the arc. So, Nurkic, as the primary defender, is giving up a lot of baskets. So, I don't know what Terry Stotts is going to do except for throwing Enos Cantor and Carmelo out there. Enos Kanter at this point in his career, is still effective. But he's effective as just a pest. Carmelo Anthony is an atrocious defender, despite his big size. McCollum is not a great defender. We already knew that. Um, Lillard, obviously, is a decent defender, but not fantastic. So some coaches, it just takes them a while to figure out the rotation, The Blazers will probably make the playoffs, obviously. I don't see them as a lottery team. But the West is pretty deep. And I think we all just assume Portland's better than Golden State. But I don't know if we can assume that. Can we? I mean, when there are games where you have Mulder and Pascal and Poole draining threes, I mean, what are you going to do? It's just the Warriors' night. It happens sometimes. But I don't think that Nurkic is going to continue... I don't want to say stink, but he's going to pick it up. Lillard is going to have a 50-point game one of these nights. And then <clears throat> when Carmelo and Cantor come in, they won't hurt the team. They'll just chew up some minutes. And and Cantor's good for six fouls in five minutes. <laughs> Remember, this guy, he can't even go home because of his big mouth. Now, you might say you admire him for talking about President Erdogan, but Remember, Enos Cantor was afraid to get on a plane to play in a London game. He thought there would be Turkish assassins waiting for him. And I'm not going to say that there wouldn't be. I mean, if you're afraid of that, it's a real thing. But to me, when I see in the West Portland and Denver and Dallas with sub-500 records, uh, that's music to my ears. Well, I said when I see. Music to my eyes. Because... We're getting way There's been seven to eight games played, depending on who your team is. The Warriors are the sixth seed right now. The sixth seed. Uh, Denver and Portland are not in the playoffs right now. The Kings are in the playoffs. So, obviously, this stuff is going to change, and it's going to change rapidly. But here's the difference between winning a couple of games with the Kings They'll say, hey, we won a couple games, and then they'll stink again. When the Warriors start to win a couple games with Draymond and Steph, those guys, and Coach Kerr, they're going to start believing that they're good. And confidence, you know, what do they say? It's 90% of the battle. Woody Allen said that you know, life is 90% just showing up. Uh, it's more than just showing up. But if the Warriors start believing that they're good, that is a big difference than just, oh, hey, you know we're a playoff team right now. So, as I said, Portland, Dallas, Denver, they're going to pick it up. I think all those teams are going to end up being better than the Warriors. But you never know. Every game counts. Greg Fitzsimmons on the other side. Come on back.
4: buying some pretzel sticks? Excuse me? This is your wake-up call from TrackFone Wireless. Okay. What if you didn't eat all those pretzel sticks by the end of the month so this store took them back? Uh, good luck. That's how some wireless companies are with your data, but TrackFone Wireless gives you unlimited carryover data with active service, so you keep what you pay for. Hmm. Plans start at $20 a month. Wow, that's cool. Uh, sir, are you bothering the customers? Yeah, Hang on.
5: This is your wake-up call, uh, people. TrackFone Wireless. Now you're in control.
4: Available at major retailers. See terms and conditions at trackphone.com.
5: Come now.
12: Rick Tittle once threw a tennis ball at a donkey.
9: I did throw a tennis ball at a donkey, and I feel bad about it now. 1-800-878-PLAY. Greg Fitzsimmons will uh, join us when we get him on the old horn. Uh, but lines are available, uh, as they always are, at one eight hundred eight seven eight 878 play 1-800-878-7529 is how you get in and how you get hurt. Uh, emails rick at sports email here uh from georgie i don't think i've ever got one from georgie before hey there georgie girl or maybe georgie's a guy anyway georgie um rick who has the best rotation in baseball i've been arguing with my friend he says it's the padres i say it's still the dodgers your thoughts Well, thanks. Uh, I appreciate it. And that's a great question. Um, When you look at the Dodgers, obviously, you're looking at the world champs and you got Kershaw and Bueller as the one-two punch. To me, the big question is if David Price is going to pitch again because then you'd throw in Urias and May or Gonsolin. Um, With the pods, though, you're going to go Lamette, Darvish, Snell. Paddock and Morajon, I would, and then maybe Mackenzie Gore, if they want to start his clock, and they like him in spring. Um, that's a tough one, but um, if if David Price pitches, I would go Dodgers. If he doesn't, I'm going Padres. I'm going to go Padres um, because if you look at Urias. And, and Paddock, which one would you rather have? And would you rather have Dustin May or Adrian Morgeon? Um If I could pick one guy out of all of them, I'd take Kershaw. So that's something to be said. But, yeah, that's my answer. With Price, I'll go L.A. without Price. Um, then I would go um, Dodgers. I mean, uh, Padres. But, you know, you look at some of these other rotations around the league, and, like, I, I look in the American League, I think, like, is there a good rotation in the American League? <laughs> <laughs> Even with Cleveland getting rid of Bauer and uh, Kluber, and, uh, I mean, they still have Bieber, who's the best pitcher in baseball right now, regular season, Carrasco, Zach Plezak, and then what? Aaron Savali and Tristan McKenzie. I guess. Other than that, in the American League, I can't think. I mean, it's, I mean look at the Yankees, really. Um, but I would say the next best rotations are still on the senior circuit, if you think about it. You know, Braves with Freed, Morton, Anderson, Smiley, and Wright, and then probably Nationals with Sherbert, Corbin, Strasburg, and then fill out the rest. All right. We do have our good buddy, Greg Fitzsimmons, been in studio many times, joining us on the horn. And uh, that's because he is in the hub city, getting ready to do helium there in Indianapolis. He has a show tomorrow night, a couple on Friday and a couple on Saturday. Greg, my friend, good to talk to you again. What's it like after all these months of zooms and rooftops and parks to actually get in a real club again?
3: Well, it's always good because uh, I'm married and it's very difficult to cheat on my wife when you're under quarantine. (laughs) So to get back in the clubs where I can put out my sexuality on stage and have it come back to me with, you know, girls with daddy complexes and even some men, there's a, you know, there's some men if they're small enough, I have no problem with that.
9: If they're small, if they're small enough in what way?
3: Well, I want a hairless man. You know, he's got to be, he's got he's to gotta feel gentle and soft. He's got to be girly. He's got to be a little bit girly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like a bowler. Like if I had to think of a sport that I could make love to a man, it would probably be badminton or bowling.
9: So you're not into the hairy Serbian cab driver.
3: No, not unless he's driving me to a uh, laundromat where I can find men that do their own laundry.
9: Gotcha. Um, yeah. I do remember something you told me years ago, and it's not, I do remember you telling me about hitting the guy in the head with a mic, but I remember you telling me that when you're on stage, that you've got dozens of hot women staring at you, and that's something that doesn't go unnoticed, and I get it. It's
3: It's, such a shift in the paradigm of being a bald 54 year old who walks down and I live in Venice Beach where there's just tons of beautiful women in their 20s and they look through me they, not, they don't even look away from me it's, it's <laughs> as if I'm a ghost and then suddenly You're I'm ch- standing on stage and these same women I'm the alpha male I'm the guy
9: <laughs> there's a beauty to that isn't there
3: I think so. And, I, and you know, and people have always said women are women have always said that they're attracted to a guy with a sense of humor. And I think that's only true when you're on stage. If you're off stage, they're always going to go with the bad boy. They're going to go with the quarterback or the guy with the leather jacket and the funny guy. We just do like we do the foreplay. We're the guys that make them laugh all night at the bar, or at the party, standing around the keg. But then when they leave, it's on the arm of, um, you know, a guy with a Motley Crue (laughs) T-shirt.
9: That's like, I remember the uh, Sinbad joke about how if you were a really good-looking girl and you were making fries at McDonald's, the guy is into you. But if you're a really good-looking guy making the fries at McDonald's, they're like, you better shut up and make my fries.
3: Right. Right. You can't parlay the fry making into sex in any way, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, and that's why it's it's also but like, you know, people want guys want a girl who's super hot, but they don't think about the fact that like, yeah, you marry her and she's a fry. She's a fry chef. You know, you got to work a little bit harder. You know, <laughs> if you're smart, you find a girl who's not as attractive, but who's got an MBA and is a type A workaholic, and then you can kick back and just watch her hustle.
9: <laughs> it's a good plan. I also remember it's funny. Um, it was one of these Ricky Lake type of shows where they brought out this guy who, you know, was about, he looked like John Hamm and he was wearing an Italian suit and he talked about being a doctor. And then they asked the women in the crowd, which was 99% women, he's single, who wants to go out with him? And everybody raised their hand, like 200 women. And then they said, well, let's look at his real job. And they showed him he was a garbage man. And they showed him dumping trash in his overalls. And they go, now who wants to go out with him? And they're only like maybe 10. Yeah. Like, what happened? What happened?
3: Right. Isn't that ironic? Because all wives do is tell you to take out the garbage. (laughs) That is irony there, yeah. (laughs) But there was also, John Hamm was actually on (laughs) SNL one time. They did this great sketch where it was him, and I forget the guy that was um, in the sketch with him. But like, first the first the guy is like super polite, and he goes to Tina Fey, and he's like, um, "Oh hey Tina, um, you know it's been really good working on this project with you. I was just going to see if you know maybe you want to you want to go out and get a cup of coffee after work one day." And she's like, "This is sexual harassment. Bug off, creep." And then John Hamm comes in, and he's like fondling her and saying disgusting things she, and she's just giggling and uh um, yeah. it was hilarious
9: yeah and i don't mean to correct you that was the tom brady one yeah fred Armisen was the creep and then tom oh. brady literally squeezed amy poehler and tina Fey's boobs and they were like oh you're so cute
3: oh it was tom brady wow same
9: thing same thing though right
3: yeah, I'm trying to think who's sexier, Tom Brady or, I mean, Tom is like, again, he's the quarterback. I don't, I don't know that any guy in America outranks the quarterback for being able to close with a woman.
9: That's true. We're speaking with Greg Fitzsimmons at Indy Helium, one of the great clubs, Fitzdog radio podcast, great podcast. Um, I listened to it. I, I was listening to your Mark Norman one a couple months ago, and I know now you got Neil Brennan, who... Um, first, a couple things. I, I, I saw his brother, Kevin, at uh, the Cellar a couple years ago.
12: Oh, and then yeah.
9: s- somebody told me that Neil and Kevin, they don't even talk anymore. Like, Is that some sort of Irish brother thing?
3: Well, there's 10 kids in the family, and I think it's mostly boys. And Neil is the youngest. And so... I don't know. I knew I knew them both because I started out with Kevin in New York 30 years ago. And Neil was a doorman at the Boston Comedy Club. And, um, you know, Kevin is so funny, but he is so angry and he's got Neil in his crosshairs and he goes after him. He tweets about him. He badmouths him on his podcast. <laughs> and Neil just kind of deflects. He, he He'll talk about it. If you bring Kevin up, it's no problem. He'll talk about it. But um, mm-hmm. I think Neil looks at their childhood as troubled. You know, I think they had an alcoholic dad, and I think there was uh, emotional abuse in his mind. And Kevin sees it as a perfect childhood, and <laughs> <laughs> and so he gives um, so he gives Neil a hard time for being a pussy. Whereas I think Neil is actually worked very hard on himself to become pretty evolved, you know. And, yeah. uh, and, I mean, don't tell me any kid who's the youngest of 10 had any kind of a <laughs> decent childhood. You know, forget it. You you are, your parents have got to be so worn out at that point. They they just let the other kids raise you.
9: No doubt. Last question for you. The, the Neil Brennan episode, which is out right now, episode number eight, eight hundred and ninety one congratulations on your staying wow
3: is it really oh wow okay yeah well i started i think i started about 11 years ago and i did two episodes a week for probably seven or eight of those years and so they add up but um i'll tell you it's i still get excited every time i turn on the microphone it's just such a It's such a fun thing to do. And I think during the quarantine, I'm doing three podcasts now. I have one called Sunday Papers, which is um, me and a guy named Mike Gibbons, who's a big show creator and a guy who was like my best friend from college. And we go through the Sunday Papers every week. And then I do one called Childish with Allison Rosen about raising kids. And so I've I've got an office five minutes from my house, and that's like my studio. And I go there three days a week and during the pandemic it's made me feel like i actually have a job and it's kept me sane so um i'm glad to hear that in nine episodes we'll have to do some kind of a celebration
9: no doubt about it and everybody within the sound of my voice uh in uh, the midwest get to the indie helium go to heliumcomedy.com for tickets he'll be appearing uh tomorrow night at eight o'clock and then two shows friday night two shows saturday night fits good to catch up my man and hopefully when this is all over we'll see you back in the studio buddy
3: yeah i'd like to sit down with you guys i always love coming in so so thanks for letting me call in all
9: right good stuff i'm rick tittle come on back on sports Bio. who's
14: watching tell me who's watching
8: who's watching me
10: For 25 years, people have trusted us for their window replacement needs, and you can, too. Call now to learn about our buy four, get the fifth one free window replacement offer.
1: 800-413-6992. 800-413-6992. 800-413-6992. That's 800-413-6992.
10: Interest accrues from date of purchase, but is waived if paid in full within 12 months. Other conditions apply. We've adjusted our operations to serve you safely following all CDC guidelines. Visit RenewalByAnderson.com for details. You know, over
6: time, you know, the more and more you do something, the better you get at it. Just like, you know, you didn't become this excellent at radio overnight. You know, you know exactly when to say we got one minute left. (laughs) (laughs) Right.
5: (laughs)
9: Because I'm so good looking. (laughs) Practice makes
5: perfect. (laughs)
12: You must be crazy. Use a DOG. and if you was my man, I would have been kicked you out of my house by now. This is what had happened.
9: Hey, thanks for tuning in today. One more note. We know that Alex Smith is going to be Comeback Player of the Year, uh, as deserving of uh, a winner as, as we've had in recent times. Um, interesting online, his wife Liz, former at. She took a lot of uh, his former leg brace and she formed it into a trophy and she put it up on um, Instagram and she said, um, uh, waiting for the game and I'm a nervous wreck. I look up at our bookshelves as a reminder of where we have been in the hard work to get to this moment. No matter the outcome, Alex has already won. He has beat the largest challenge. Life has thrown our way. I'm incredibly proud and we'll be cheering loud. Let's go, Washington. Special thanks to at cold heart art for transforming a symbol of hard times to a trophy of triumph we can proudly put on our shows. Uh Well, they did win the game and now he's going to a playoff game. But I got to say, this trophy looks like the Lombardi trophy. And for a former piece of medical equipment, whoever the hell cold heart art is, they're geniuses. This is <laughs> it's really cool. Um, I mean, obviously, it's a it's a former brace, so it's not as pretty as Lombardi trophy, but it's about as good as you can make a piece of medical equipment possibly look. So shout out there. Thanks for tuning in. We'll do tomorrow at 9 a.m. Pacific time. Coming up next, Sports Talk.